Today's scripture reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31 through chapter 13, verse 13. But desire the greater gifts, and I will show you an even better way. If I speak human or angelic tongues but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see only a reflection, as in a mirror but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I know I will know fully as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. To begin the new year, we are looking at 1 Corinthians 13 which is known as the love chapter in the Bible. Uh, it really begins with chapter 12, verse 31, <laughs> but um, where that says this is the most excellent way, and then the rest of chapter 13 follows. This is the place in the Bible that most directly and clearly tells us what love is. And Paul's writing to a church in Corinth, this was the context. They were dealing with a lot of division. They were dealing with a lot of issues. A lot of confusion and problems were happening. It was quite a mess. And throughout the letter of 1 Corinthians, he spends time specifically addressing some of those divisions, some of those disagreements, and some of the mess. But here, in 1 Corinthians 13, he gives them a way to approach all of them. He says, Verse 31, chapter 12, I will show you an even better way, or it could be translated, I will show you the most excellent way, the way of love. Now, last week, to introduce the series, we looked at uh, verses 1 through 3, and there Paul says, nothing we do, the greatest gifts, speaking gifts, the greatest knowledge we could have, the greatest accomplishments and spiritual abilities, even the greatest sacrifices we could make, none of it does anything of true and lasting spiritual impact if done without love. He says they don't accomplish anything. He says even more than that, it's not just what we do, but without love, he says, I am nothing. So this chapter, along with many other places in the New Testament, tell us what the ultimate test 
of a living and genuine faith in Jesus Christ is, what it looks like. The true measure of maturity, according to Christianity, is love. The measure is not behavioral, first of all. It's not theological, first of all. It's not sensational miracles or great gifts, speaking or otherwise. It is relational. We can do the right thing. We can say the right thing. We can think the right things and accomplish great things in the name of God, yet be nothing. Nothing is there if we have not love. That's the challenge of this beautiful and poetic chapter. Well, I asked all of you, and I ask it again right now, to join me in making a resolution for 2021 to make love your first pursuit and priority. Love in our culture is probably the most agreed upon concept and idea, but probably the most poorly defined. And so as we consider that resolution together, it's important to first answer the question, what even is love? And that's what we're going to be unpacking for the next five weeks together, exploring in detail this description of love that is here for us in 1 Corinthians 13. Now, question here, if you were to define love, okay, if this was, this was your task, and if you knew somehow that your definition of love would be remembered, it, it would be cherished, it would be read, and it would be delighted in and recited for centuries, where would you start? What would you say first as you would attempt to define and describe love? Love is, where would you begin? Well, what do you think about where Paul starts with here? Love is patient, he says. I don't know about you, but I don't think that's probably where most of us would have started in defining love, especially in our modern world where we have so much technology, we have access to information, everything we can get seemingly in an instant. We might have come to think, maybe not uh, consciously, but subconsciously, that patience is maybe a virtue of the past. We have the internet, we have cell phones, we have Amazon. Why do we need patience anymore? But 2020 happened, and the times we are living in now have called for patience in all kinds of ways that we don't like, that maybe are new and hard for us. There are many examples. We could talk about how uh, there was a time back in maybe April and May, we thought the pandemic would be over and past us, and maybe after a few months, as the vaccine we've been waiting on it, as the rollout of the vaccine happens, we've had to wait as we've gone through such cultural and political turmoil and division, our patience has been tested when we hear and see things that disturb us or that we disagree with. And to start with maybe a little bit of a lighter example, uh, the pandemic, sometimes things have been cleared out and uh, emptied, but sometimes we encounter many unexpected lines when we go to the grocery store or try to take care of our tasks. And that happened to me a few weeks ago. I was on a way to hike with one of our sons. We were running a little bit behind schedule and I was supposed to stop at the bank to take care of something before we went on this hike. And I got to the bank and I pulled into the parking lot and saw this huge line outside the door. <laughs> Maybe you've experienced this where you're like, oh my goodness. What I thought was gonna be five minutes, who knows how long. 
it will be. And so I texted my wife, Amelia. I said, there's 35 people waiting outside this bank. Uh, there was probably more like 25, but I was exaggerating a little bit because I was hoping that she would say, ah, oh, just forget about it. We'll take care of it tomorrow. But she encouraged me. She said, don't, don't give up, <laughs> you know, uh, just, just see what happens. So I got in line. It actually didn't take that long. And I was thankful that she encouraged me to persevere. <laughs> but it wasn't easy. It required patience. What is patience? Well, we just read a passage in our words of assurance uh, from Psalm 103 that describes God's patience like this. We just read it. He is slow to anger. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with our sins as they deserve or repaid us according to our iniquity. So impatience, maybe this will hit home a little bit more, is the reverse of that. Impatience is being quick to anger, always accusing other people, being quick to accuse, holding on to anger and resentment, dealing with people according to what we think they deserve and what we think we deserve, and being quick to repay wrong when we are wronged. Is that hitting home a little bit? It is. It has for me. Impatience is when we react instead of respond to others, to people, to issues and events. Do you see how this topic is challenging and relevant to our times, especially to our times? Well, maybe if you're just having a hard time picturing what impatience looks like, uh, let me give a few examples. Impatience is when we snap at our kids in anger. It's when we are short with our spouse. It's when we are annoyed by our parents. It's when we groan at traffic. It's when we fume at long lines. It's when we post on social media in anger. It's when we stew in resentment at a coworker or maybe at a boss. It's when we give up on a friend or a family member with different views than us. It's when we respond to bad news in a broken world with losing hope and giving up. Do you see the relevance to this? I want to share just a quick picture here. It's a picture of, uh, I share this with caution, it's a picture of a few t-shirts uh, that maybe describe uh, how we are feeling here in 2020. With all that's going on, with staying at home, with being up and close and personal with our loved ones, uh, with a lot more time together than we ever imagined. I share this with caution because the last time I did this, somebody bought me the t-shirt that I displayed. And maybe I need to wear one of these, but this is how we're feeling. Our patience is running low. We feel like we're straight out of patience. Well, impatience, Paul says, is a failure to love. Our failures to love so many times, he says, first and foremost, come down to a failure of patience. So I want to talk about patience in four steps together. First, first point, what we need to see about our patience is how it relates to God's place. First point, our patience and God's place. I think patience is the first thing Paul says about love here, as I thought about this, uh, because in order to truly love people, we first have to know and take our proper place in the world and in other people's lives and let God have his place in the world and in other people's lives. Patience in many ways comes down to us keeping 
our place. Here's what I mean. A basic starting point of Christian belief is God alone is omniscient. He, he knows everything. We don't. He alone knows what's going on in every person's heart. He is all wise. He knows the right thing to do. He is God only wise. He knows the best course of action to take. And God alone is sovereign and in control of the world. That is God's place. But when, when we react in imp impatience, when we are quick to get angry, when we are quick to respond in wrath or judgment on others, what we are doing is we are really crossing the line into God's territory, out of our place into his place. We are saying, I know what you should be right now. I know you what you should have done in this moment. I know what you should think. And if you don't do it, if you don't say it, if you don't think this, then you deserve my wrath and my displeasure. You see, that's not our place. That is God's place. And when we're impatient uh, with circumstances that we can't control, and we become upset and impatient, and we're fuming and going, why is this going this way? I know how this should go. It should go my way. What we're saying is, I should be sovereign. I should be in control. Again, not our place, but God's. As human beings who are not God, we do not and cannot know God's agenda for the life of another person or even for our circumstances, for our personal lives, even for our, our, our church, for our country, for anything. So for the Christian impatience is like walking past a very clearly marked boundary. I shared a sign with you last week, that wrong way sign. I want to share another sign with you this week. Let's put that sign up. No trespassing. <laughs> Impatience is walking right past that sign into God's territory and place. Many theologians would root the original sin of Adam and Eve in the garden, root that sin in impatience. What they wanted, what they desired, what they hoped for, and crossing that no trespassing sign would come over time with growth and maturity. And yet they wanted it now, so they grabbed the fruit. Love is patient because no fallen, finite, broken, sinful human being can love another fallen, finite, sinful human being when we are playing God in their life. We can only do damage from that place. And we can't discern the way of love in hard moments if we're trying to be in control, if we're trying to take control and play God in those moments. We cannot ultimately change people ourselves. We can't ultimately change our circumstances. So much is outside of our power. It can be hard to let go, but Paul says it is freeing. It frees us to love. First step, this is not our place. Second, related to this and building on this, uh, our patience and God's pace. The word here for patience is a compound word in the Greek, makrothume. It comes from two Greek words, macro meaning long, and thumos, meaning passion or heat, or often anger. The old King James Version translates 
patience, this word for patience as long-suffering. A good translation would be long-tempered as opposed to short-tempered. It's not really an English word, but maybe we should start using that more often. Patience is all about pace. It's about not letting go of what is right and good and true for others and for the world, but it's about the pace that we expect and sometimes demand that these things happen. Patience is about letting them happen at God's pace and not ours, which is uh, throughout the Bible, uh, we see many, many examples of how this is much slower than we think it should be. And we see this in our own lives. But patience accepts God's place and God's pace for the people and the circumstances in our life. Patience trusts God's sovereignty and God's wisdom and God's timing. Patience is being able to take the long view, knowing God sees the beginning from the end. Because unlike us who have such a limited perspective, God sees it all. He sees the whole picture. We just see a piece of the picture for our own lives, for other people in our lives, and for the circumstances and situations, even the ones we care about deeply. It's so important. Uh, I want to show a, a passage here, a verse from Ecclesiastes that makes the same point. Ecclesiastes 7, 8 says, The end of a matter is better than its beginning. A patient spirit is better than a proud spirit. You see, that what, what this is saying is since we don't know the end of the matter, we don't know how it will end, what it will be. Don't be proud and act like we do. Don't rush to anger. Don't rush to judgment. It's not over yet. So be patient. It's much better to let go of that pride and trust the end of the matter to God. One commentator, Anthony Thistleton, says in his commentary on this passage, so, so well put, he says, right timing, right timing plays a huge part in securing the welfare of another. Love, he says, does not blunder in. In parenting, we see this when we, we have this, and, and, and I'm guilty of this, this right now mentality. Right now! Do this right now! I know what needs to be done. In marriage, we see how love doesn't blunder, and often these conflicts we get into, it takes a few rounds, doesn't it, to work through these things. Round one didn't go so well. Let's go to round two. But love, love requires the right timing. If we're really caring about securing the welfare of the other and not just our own agenda needs and desires. And even when we're right, we can go about things at the wrong pace. So impatience. Impatience it shows us when we, we are quickly and easily provoked, angered or upset. It's a sign right, that we're more concerned about our agenda, our needs our desires, and we are for the well-being of others and the glory of God. Patience means let things play out. Give God space. Give God more space than you're taking up to work. See, patience is that is a choice. It's the choice to hold on uh, to a good passion, but to accept the way things are for a season, and the choice to accept people as they are 
for a season so you can come alongside what God is doing, trusting he is at work, and truly love them for their good and for God's glory. So love does not demand our own pace. James also addresses this in chapter 1. I could put that verse up on the screen as well. He says uh, to the church, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Here's the pace. This is the backwards pace for us often. He says, everyone should be quick to listen. Be quick to listen, but be slow to speak and slow to anger, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. In my reading this week, I came across uh, an author who uh, just put it so well, and he used alliteration, which is near and dear to my heart. So I wanted to share this with you, the pace of patience. Let's go to that next slide. R.T. Kendall in his book said, the pace of patience is being slow to anger, slow to accuse. We don't know the whole picture. Slow to assume. Wow. That one could go a long way in our cultural moment today. Slow to advise. We might not know what the best course of action is. And slow to become anxious. Let the end of the matter play out, trusting that God is at work. So patience has everything to do with God's place and God's pace. And now I want to move on to my third point here. And this was a new insight for me with regard to patience this week. I never put this together. I saw how important, how crucial this is for us really developing the discipline and the character of patience. There's a misunderstanding we have when it comes to patience. And I have this misunderstanding. There, there is a counterfeit to patience that we need to know about. Patience is not the same thing as being chill and laid back and being passive and doing nothing. That is not patience. That is counterfeit patience. Patience is not inaction. Listen, uh, think about God's patience. Is God inactive? Is he, is he uncaring? Is he indifferent? Is he just chilling? God is never indifferent about evil, suffering, and injustice. Never. So people who seem calm and laid back and chill, they might be patient or they might just not care. We don't know. Or they can be maybe too scared or cowardly to do anything about what needs to be done. Here's where the word for patience comes into play again. Remember, it's macrothumos, long-passioned, long-tempered, uh, long-suffering. So the question is, as you hear me uh, describe what patience is, you might be saying, does patience mean that we can never have strong passion for something, even anger for what is right and just? Never act decisively and swiftly for what God says is good for others, for their own good and good for the world. And the answer is no. Patience does not mean we sit back and do anything. Passivity is not patience. No, we are called to act, we are called to choose, we are called to influence others for their good, and our choices matter. So patience affirms our good passions. It's right there in the Word. Those passions that align with God's passions. Now, there are some passions uh, that we should not pursue, that should be killed or put to death. We could say, I have a, a passion to start a forest fire or to start a war. No. We don't say, be patient, be patient, your time will come. We say, no, uh, that needs to be killed. You need to destroy that passion. But when it comes to those passions that align with God's passion, 
We are to act. We are to influence, but always never leaving behind patience. In telling us to be patient, God is not telling us to renounce the passion for what is right and good. He is telling us to place this passion into the context of God's place, God's pace, and God's promises. Long-suffering means that we are to trust with hope those passions we have for what is good and right for the people we love and the, the issues that matter, to trust all those things into and underneath the promises of God. Only then when we do this can we hold on to that passion and be able to love others. So there's a passage that brings all three of these together. Uh, it's in 2 Peter chapter 3. Let me display that verse up there for you guys. Uh, Peter says this. He says, Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord does not delay his promise. Notice, as some understand delay. But is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Do you see that? Peter says, God is not delaying. Don't misinterpret what we think is slowness on God's part as indifference or inaction. God is not delaying. Even now, Peter says, he is at work fulfilling his promises. As he says, not wanting any to perish, but all to turn to him. That is God's patient love that is at work, always at work. And at the same time, Peter says he promises to bring all that he has said he will do to completion. Early church father Tertullian said patience, and he wrote a book uh, on patience, a work on patience. He said patience is only possible because of the promise of the new creation and resurrection. Things now will not be complete. They will not be finished, fully healed. People will not be perfected or fixed in this life. We will not be. But God promises all that is good, all that is right, will find its full and complete fulfillment in the new heavens and the new earth. Sin, suffering, and justice, evil will be done away with. Patience is only possible because of our hope in that promise. So patience is not God saying no to those good passions that we have. We need, to, we need to know this. This is so important for me. Passion that we have for what is right. God is not saying no. Delay that. God is saying place that into the context of my promises. God sometimes says not now. God sometimes says not in this way, not according to your timetable, your pace, and sometimes not in this life. But we can hold to patience because of his promise. Last point. Patience, our patience and God's patience. I don't know uh, how you're doing with this <laughs> so far at this point, but uh, the question that comes to mind is, is anybody else wrecked yet? wrecked by a sense of your own 
in patience as we've spent just these few moments thinking about what patience actually is. Well, it wrecks me. And so <laughs> meditating on these three words, I was so convicted earlier this week, I didn't have a good start to the week in the way that I was treating people. So I had to confess my sins of impatience and unkindness at the dinner table to my family one night. And as I did that, the response that I got was that nobody objected <laughs> to me saying, I confess, I've been impatient. I've been unkind. Not one person objected. There was just silence. So humbling, but it was so true. And I'm thankful for my family because they're very patient with me. How do we gain the power for patience to trust when we have something that we are passionate about that is good? See it in God's place, God's pace, in light of God's promises. How can we do that? It is so hard. The power comes down to this, knowing how patient God is with us. All impatience, I believe this is true, all impatience finds its root in either forgetting or denying God's patience with us. We read this already from Romans uh, chapter 2. In Romans chapter 2, if you remember, our call to confession says, Do you presume on the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance? What Paul is saying is, if not for God's patience, if God wasn't infinitely patient with you, you wouldn't even be here. Our continued existence and our salvation and our opportunity to turn to God all hinges and depends on the patient love of God for us. And this needs to go from being conceptual, an idea, to becoming very intensely personal for us if we are to become patient in our love for others. The most shocking thing about the history of the world, the most shocking thing about your story, viewed from God's perspective according to the Bible, the thing that should go, this is the most shocking thing, is that God would be patient with us, with me. God has long suffering. He has long suffered our sin, the injustice of this world. He has long suffered our rebellion. He has long suffered us trying to take his place in our lives and in the lives of other people. God has long suffered the consequences of our impatience. And we see this all culminating in the patience of Jesus Christ. Jesus was not provoked to anger or wrath, even as he was mocked. Even as he was beaten, even as he was spat upon and crucified by those whom he loved with a patient love. Instead of anger and wrath that we deserve being turned upon us, those who have taken God's place, instead the gospel is the wrath and the anger of God was turned away from us in Christ by his loving sacrifice for us. We who took his place in our impatience are met with the God who takes our place in his patient love. What love is this? We already read from Second uh, Peter chapter 3. There's a verse a little bit later that drives this home. Verse 15. 
I'd never really realized the significance of this verse until this week where Peter says, a little bit later, he, he had said, uh, don't count God's delay as delay. He says also, regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom given to him. Very interesting, fascinating here, because Paul and Peter didn't always see eye to eye in everything. Uh, they had to learn patience with one another as they were seeking uh, the mission of bringing the gospel uh, to the world. Uh, they had times where they had to confront each other. They had times where they had to work through hard conflict. But here, this is the one area where Paul uh, is mentioned by Peter. The one thing he brings up, Peter said, you got to listen to Paul here, guys. Regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. I wonder if Peter knew what Paul had written in 1 Timothy. And I have that, uh, that testimony of Paul. We can put that up on the, on the screen here. What Paul said here in the very later stages of his life, where he had matured in his faith, where he had said, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me is the foremost. Here it is. Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example for those who were to believe in him for eternal life. And he says right there, to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be glory, honor forever and ever. Amen. That last part there is puzzling to scholars. Why is this guy writing a letter, sharing his story, and all of a sudden he, he almost closes the letter? This is in chapter one. He's got most of the letter to write. I think what's happening here for Paul is he saying, I can't look at my life. And this is a picture of Christian maturity. We can't look at our lives for one moment and not marvel at the infinite patience of God towards us. He says, my life is an example of God's patience. The more I grow, the more I get further and further to the end of my days, I see, wow, what a patient God. And such it should be for us. So that may be on our gravestones instead of RIP, rest in peace. It should be IPR, infinite patience required. Every Christian knows that. That belongs on all of our gravestones, even to the end of our days. The power for patience comes then, friends, from seeing our sin our impatience for what it is, that is putting ourselves in God's place. If God is patient with people and circumstances when we are not, then it's really a response to him, right? God, I know better than you. I know what needs to happen. It's putting ourselves in God's place. We see that, and then alongside that, we see the patience of God as our salvation. Despite everything that we have done, despite how imperfect and flawed and how long we have to go, God has put himself in our place, bearing wrath, turning away anger, so that he can love us with his perfect love. So we grow in patience as we see the painfully slow pace and incompleteness of our change and sanctification. And even when passionate action is required and a response is called for, we never ever leave behind 
patience. Yes, people are more broken and sinful. The world is more broken and sinful. And I, most of all, know I am more broken and sinful than I ever dared even imagine. And so I know to dare not expect immediate and complete transformation. To bring it to a final application point, listen, listen to this. <laughs> this is what I've been meditating on here as I've uh, reflected on patience. If patience has the place of honor in God's definition of love, first thing, love is patient. If God's greatest passion is for us to be like him, to be loving, and we have so far to go, then would it not follow that God would put us in places and situations that would, to put it nicely, grow us in patience. That that is God loving us so that we might love like him. So let me ask you this, where or with whom might God be giving you the wonderful opportunity to learn patient love? Maybe a situation comes to mind. Maybe a particular relationship comes to mind. Can you see it as God's loving opportunity that he has given you to grow in patience? I have one final thought. I spent the most of uh, this time focusing in on the personal and everyday interactions that we have, and I think that's the best place to go when it comes to 1 Corinthians 13 here. But I want to say something else. Uh, just in this in this final point, very quick. Uh, this is this is a, a big, a big thing. It might open up a can of worms, but I feel like I want to say this, and it needs to be said. Uh, be patient with people. I've been saying, and someone listening might say, "Come on, we've got bigger issues and problems than my impatience, Pastor. Look at the world around you." Well, if we can put up the final thought slide uh, from Proverbs sixteen thirty-two, I just want to leave you with this. In addition to those real close relationships and people you have, consider this to that question. Proverbs says, Patience is better than power, and controlling one's emotions than capturing a city. Okay, so final thought. A word of caution, possibly rebuke on a larger issue. We covered this in Daniel in the fall with Nebuchadnezzar, but beware of nationalism, the idolatry of power, of civic religion. The idolatry of love of nation or party over Jesus and his kingdom. Because, look, anything that says it is Christianity but places its trust in human power or human beings or political power, this is idolatry. And here's the point I want to make, final thought, it is far, far weaker, far weaker than patience, according to the Bible. Getting power, capturing a city is nothing compared with patience and self-control. So where should our focus and energy be directed, friends? The key to the early church's growth, many scholars have pointed out, was patience. The power of patience. Patience is better than power and self-control better than capturing a city. Love is patience, friends. The patience of our Lord is our salvation. May we grow in learning to love patiently. Would you pray with me? God, I pray now because we desperately need patience in all kinds of ways in our lives to love 
You tell us we can't do it without patience, and so I pray you would grow us in the gift and the grace of patience as you bring things and people to mind. I pray what you would bring most to mind into our hearts right now is how patient you have been with us. We will never stop singing your praises for the patience that you have shown us in Christ. So let it sink in and may it change us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.